Welcome to Cypher Vision. I'm Nigel Schweitzer, CEO at Cypher, and today's episode is our holiday special, which we've called Communicating the Impact of Innovation, which was the title of the whole series. But this is a medley of the best of series two, which I guess, Francesca, means we're the guests of our own podcast. Yes, it's going to feel a bit different today just the two of us on this podcast, but I think it's great to have a special feature that's going to look back at all the guests and all the conversations that we've had across season two. And I feel like we've probably got some common themes that have come through the chats that we've had. (laughs) If we do find the common themes, we'll claim that grand design. I did go and feel that the series kind of evolved as it went along, but let's go and assume that the common themes that I remember, like transparency, Communication, what did you hear across the whole 10 episodes? Well, I think when we're thinking about communicating the impact of innovation, as we've titled this episode, it does take us back to how can you ensure transparency to enable the communication with the rest of the business? And when we think about that, probably the first thing I'd want to do is think about how can you shine a light on transparency and the benefit of doing that? And then what action can IP teams take from that to really enhance that communication with the rest of business so that they can actually make some really insightful decisions. And I think we've got some great examples where we've seen that happening and conversations that we had with Mintel and Tech Insights where there's been a real influence for business decisions. And then I feel we probably need to think about, well, how do you get to that stage? How can you deliver transparency and how can things like machine learning and data science really help deliver that insight efficiently. Okay, that sounds very organized. Where do you want to start? Well, let's think about shining a light on transparency. And when I think about shining a light on transparency in the patent world, the opposite of that is being quite murky. And I have to start thinking about standard essential patents. Oh, you want to start at the deep end, the technical stuff. Okay, standard essential patents, SCP. We were lucky to go and have Lou Zaretsky And it was a transparency conversation. Like 10 years on, smartphone wars are still going on. People are still litigating to find economic balance. I think what Lou brought to our conversation was really looking at the dynamics and the economics of the process and how if you can bring transparency to it, you can really reduce the costs. If you could give everybody the tools to do their job better, you know, facts, for example, so that they could make fact-based decisions, then those transaction costs go down and they pursue their aims more effectively and efficiently, whatever those aims would be, even if those aims are at cross-purposes with other people in the market. Lou also explained why the LOT 5G transparency project could really make a difference. The goal is to provide IP executive decision makers with the best facts, you know, the best data set about the 5G SAP landscape. And to do that by compensating for the incentives and disincentives on the standard side to produce the right decision set and a data set for these decision makers. And to do it collaboratively by getting companies together to share the costs and the effort and the results. And we hope that this shared perspective will enable people to do what what you all had talked about before, which is reduce transaction costs and get to their conclusions more quickly. One of the other themes that we've talked a lot about is reducing patent risk from non-practicing entities or MPEs. 
And we had a great conversation with Ken Seddon, who's CEO at Lot Network. Yeah, Lot started out as being this aggregated set of companies who wanted to go and defeat patent risk, but it ended up as being a really strong and effective community for not only that topic, but for SEPs, which we just heard Lou about, and also diversity, which I know came in a later episode. I enjoyed the spotlight he shone on NP risk, though, and I like the way he really captured it as self-inflicted harm. That's the irony of the problem. It's the high-tech industry, it's companies that are causing the problem to themselves. Anywhere from 85 to 87% of the patents that PAEs are using to sue the high-tech industry are actually being sold by companies in the high-tech industry themselves. Ken talks about PAEs or as we've called them, NPEs, and it really being a worrisome topic for a lot of IP teams. So let's hear from Ken about how LOT can actually help solve that problem. What LOT Network, it's a nonprofit organization. It's this community of companies who have agreed to take responsibility for the very problem it's causing. It's now over 2,100 companies who have all agreed that if any of their patents should ever fall into the hands of a patent assertion entity, then and only then do the other members of the community get this free license. And Nigel, you mentioned as well that Lot Network has actually also got involved in diversity initiatives. And we had some really serious and enlightening conversations around diversity, equity and inclusion. And it had never really occurred to me that there was such a lack of it in IP teams. And it feels like it's a much deeper issue than simply gender diversity. And it's also much deeper than just the IP teams. It really is across the whole innovation cycle. I guess I'm not really allowed to have my favourite episode, but if I were to have one, it would be Mike Bins and Braxton Davis from Meta. Just a real blend of passion and effectiveness. Let's hear it in their own words. We realise that there is actually you know, disparity amongst minority and underrepresented inventors as well. Traditionally, they do not own as many patents as, let's say, their, their non-minority counterparts. For us, particularly, uh, specifically at Meta, you know, we've taken the approach of engaging individuals and beginning certain initiatives that will get to the, help get to the root of that problem and really looking for diverse inventors and looking to give them the resources and support that they need to actually become the owner of a patent or the inventor on a patent application, which can change their lives. It's really incumbent on all of us to address this diversity or lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Organizations are really not serving their customers well if they don't tackle this head on. But it was great to hear from Mike Bins from Meta, who gave us some really good proactive next steps that organizations can take. The focus of ADAPT is pretty simple increase accessibility, create a database of information to help accelerate adoption of DEI programs by more companies. Two, provide mentorship so that we can create a program to support diverse patent professionals through a law school and in early stages of their career, as Braxton mentioned, before they approach law school. And lastly, technology. Track and publish industry DEI statistics that standardize DEI reporting across the industry. And this initiative was not just a partnership from Meta, but it was a cross collaboration with Google, Microsoft, Amazon, the Walt Disney Company, and Cruise. 
And I'm honored to say that when we launched and announced the initiative, that several other companies have reached out to say, we love to be a part of this. So some great action there from Mike that organizations can take. And when we look at some of the other conversations that we've had across the series, we've had some great role models for IP teams to really improve that communication with the business and make a difference. And the one that stands out for me is Lucy Vorchek from Ocado, who gave everyone some really good pointers around knowing your audience and communicating with the rest of the business. Now, I think that's what we've done well at CyberVision. I know self-praise is no praise, Francesca, but the idea of finding a blend of encouragement, but also showcasing stories from pioneers that show what can be done, what can be achieved with dedication, perseverance. Let's hear how Lucy has made her impact at Ocado. I think part of the skill of being a really good patent attorney, IP lawyer, head of IP, is understanding your audience. So you need to know that if you're going to be having a discussion with the CEO, there is no point going into detail of why you need certain types of claims and what the patent family history needs to be. You need to say to him, this is what I need. This is how much it's going to cost. This is why we need it. Can I get on? And if you're talking to somebody who's interested in IP, who's one of the inventors, who wants to understand how their invention is going to work, then you need to be able to have a different set of communication skills. We're all capable of it because we talk to our children differently than we talk to our boss. It's just understanding that we can do that in our professional careers as well. It's the ability to morph the different communication means, depending on who you're talking to. And that then enables you to develop the relationships you need. Thinking about this idea of evolution, that is definitely something that Joff Wilde, editor-in-chief at IAM, said is a must for the IP world moving forward. And I think his message was a real wake-up call for all of us. It's really been great to work with Joff and the team at IAM. They provide a real platform that monitors the rate of evolution. But Joff really makes the point that that rate is increasing and the need to keep up is as pressing now as it's always been. Let's hear from Joff about the encouragement he gives, I thought, in pretty strong terms. I'm seeing in the next five years a hell of a lot of disruption, a hell of a lot of change. And that's coming from companies like Cypher, the data people, the analytics people, I think on a wider basis, there's much more attention now being paid to IP from a policy perspective. It's much more politically important than it used to be. You're seeing the beginnings of a much greater interest from the finance community. That in turn, I think, is going to have an impact on the way in which businesses themselves view intellectual property. His robustness didn't end there. He had a lot to say about transparency as well. At some point, if patent owners themselves don't decide to become transparent, they're going to be told to be transparent. And I think that's part of the whole policy game, that you look at the conversations that are beginning to be had around things like the influence that China has over the growth of technology or ownership of technology and and intellectual property. Policymakers want to know who owns the patents because the patents are at the root of it all. And if people aren't volunteering that information, at some point it's going to become compulsory to do it. And I know you're involved in a transparency initiative, Nigel, but for me it makes much more sense to do this felt voluntarily than to have it forced upon you. I've mentioned policy. 
is becoming much more of a focus. And if the IP community doesn't understand that, it's going to have decisions foisted on it that are going to prove very unpopular and very difficult to work through. Great to hear from Joss and really good to hear a different perspective from Julian Moore at Houlihan Loki, who is outside the IP world, almost looking in, but who's so full of optimism in terms of the opportunities that are out there for IP. Let's remember Julian's a banker, so he's putting together deals. So he's a, a really interesting twist on optimism. He looks at a glass that is half full and goes, amazing, there's an opportunity to find entrepreneurs to fill that space. And it's not hard to see why he's attracted to the IP intelligence space, trillions of dollars of R&D, billions of dollars spent on patents, where the benefits of business intelligence are only just beginning to emerge. Let's hear from Julian about what he sees as the opportunity. I think parts of the IP world have been heavily behind the curve. And the legal sector in general has been generally behind the curves. The corporations are pushing the legal sector because they are the ones who actually are seeing the immediate benefits of being able to deploy technology, whereas law firms are perhaps a little bit constrained by the desire to be able to print the invoice for the hourly bill. But I think that is changing. And I think law firms are now starting to understand the value that technology brings to them as well. So if we take it back to patent data, you know, how the business can get real insight from patent data to serve new audiences. And the conversation and discussion that we had with Peter Haig, who's chairman at Mintel, and a born marketeer, which is very close to my heart, was really illuminating. Mintel are taking patent data to new audiences so that they can get insight for competitive information and understand what's happening in innovation. So they're not using patents as a monopoly right or a stick to beat competitors with, which is, I think, really quite forward thinking. Actually, you're interesting you mentioned that forward thinking. It turns out that predicting the future is really tough, but I know Mintel got survey evidence from their customers that said that 40% wanted Mintel as a thought leader in the space to go and use analytics to try and see what signals there were about future trends. And I think that's the direction of travel. And I think that's why patent information can be really useful. It's the largest library of scientific information in the world. And I know I say that a lot, but it's like hardly anyone has the past to get into that library. And I think Mintel have done a really good job of making use of that data to open that content to other audiences. Let's see how Peter describes that opportunity. Patents are really helpful to us to be able to understand how companies like Nestle and Danone are innovating. Nestle want to know what Danone are up to and Unilever want to know what Procter & Gamble are up to. We're forever giving them those landscapes. And I had no idea until I started working with you, Nigel, and Cypher, just how many patents there were out there that were relevant to our industry. You know, there's tens of millions of patents, and it's a huge potential opportunity and competitive advantage for all of these food and drink manufacturers around the world. If they use that data, they can get ahead of the competition by just simply innovating around some of these patents. They're all using them for ideas to build on and develop products that use similar technologies. And it's not as if, Frankie, that's the only guest we had talking about these new audiences. I remember Jason Apt at Tech Insights, this time not marketeers, but R&D community, engineers, scientists, 
at the heart of the developments of the semicon industry? Our customers want to see what's going on in the market today, but what they really want to understand what's going to happen in the market tomorrow. Patents are, by almost definition, a teaching tool. When a company is putting a patent out there in the world, they are, of course, protecting that IP investment, but they're also teaching people on what it is that they did. The core value of the patent system is to be able to build on others' ideas and inventions. What we see is that patents are a great proxy for what's happening in R&D in organizations, semiconductor industry, and other industries. So if you look at patents in the right way, especially if you can get above looking at patents individually, because there's much, way too much patenting activity to follow each individual patent. But if you can get beyond the, the single patent, but look at it from a landscape, a holistic standpoint, you can start to see trends. And those trends can actually point you to understand what is going to be happening in the future. It's really good to see patent data and analytics around IP being used for real business decisions that are impacting the future. But how do we get access to that data? And I guess this is where machine learning and AI and data science all fit into that quest for transparency and communication and wider understanding of what the insight is telling us. And I don't know whether everyone in the IP world appreciates just the rate of technological advance. And these improvements are just constantly helping us interrogate and present the insight from unstructured data, such as patent data, so much better, so much easier. None of the things we've achieved at Cypher would have been possible 15 years ago. So expect more and be ready to grasp the opportunities. Tony Trippi, founder of ML for Patents, and now at Owens Corning, made some predictions. There are activities that used to take a month that can now be completed in a couple of days. There are activities that it would have been impossible for somebody without advanced training and exposure to very expensive databases to been able to accomplish that can now be done in a few hours. All of that has been driven forward by the advent of these machine learning algorithms and technologies. Tony ended part of his presentation by summing up the impact of evolution. And I thought this was a bit of a shock for some of the traditionalists. Within the next five years, patent searching with machine learning-based tools is going to feel the same as Boolean searching seemed to those people who used to search with punch cards or printed indexes. So it was really clear from the conversation that we had with Jay Yonamine at Google when we were talking about patent value, that it's not an either ML or AI on the one side and human eyes on the other. It's really about getting the right tools for the job that you're trying to do. And often it's about getting the balance between using AI and ML and using humans to look at things as well. For a large operating company with a large portfolio, you may have 10,000 assets, 20,000 assets, 50,000, 100,000. When you're thinking about analyzing the portfolio, comparing your portfolio against other companies' portfolios, thinking about long-term strategic portfolio management, it's just not feasible to rely on human review intensively for that many assets. It would literally take you an infinite number of time because by the time you got done, you know, there'd be a fresh crop of applications to review. And so for in that context, you need to leverage 
automation, machine learning. Some of these tools are immensely powerful in doing sort of high-level portfolio analysis. What technologies are covered? What's the density of, of technology penetration relative to other portfolios? What's the novelty level? What's the general importance relative to other patents in this industry? And then if you're, again, on the other side of the equation, if you're a small firm doing patent enforcement, the primary mode of analysis is going to be manual, eyes on, writing claim charts, getting second opinions on the claim charts, haggling over every word in a specific office action. And so it's a much more manual approach, but that manual approach can be greatly enhanced if you understand how to use automation. So Nigel, it feels like we've come full circle around all the conversations that we've had across series two of the Cypher Vision podcast. I'm quite excited that I get to ask you about your Cypher Vision from everything that we've heard today. So what would that be, Nigel? My Cypher Vision. God, now I feel like one of the guests under the spotlight. It always looks so easy when we ask them the question. Exactly. (laughs) Series two Cypher Vision. In series two, we explored a huge range of topics, but all around communication. The need to communicate the importance of patents, but not as legal rights or trophies, but as sources of risk to be managed and value to be maximized. The success of the Cypher Vision series is pulling together a new genre of executives interested in patterns, not for what they are, but for what they can teach. Cypher Vision speaks to an audience grappling with disruptive technology, innovation, the impact of AI and machine learning, and diversity of thought. So my Cypher Vision is simple. To provide a platform for those with different perspectives around intangible assets and IP to come together to share their passion for transparency and evolution. Thanks, Frankie. It's been a blast. I can't wait for series three, but thanks for all the audience for tuning into the series. You can continue the conversation as always using hashtag CypherVision and don't hesitate to get in touch with questions on the series or ideas for series three, because we'll be back in the new year, won't we, Frankie? Looking forward to it, Nigel. We'll see you in 2023.